Should we start making our, our product? Yeah, <laughs> let's make our product. Craft our <laughs> podcast. Hmm? Our artisanal, our artisanal home crafted podcast. Yeah. Do you know, our artisanal can also be pronounced as art is anal. Oh, okay. Art is anal. It is. <laughs> I was I wasn't making that I wasn't I was just asking questions. I wasn't making that comment. Oh. But if you think it is, that's for you to say. Art is anal. Well, I am pretty anal about my art. <laughs> um Two friends just made a podcast. Two good friends just made a podcast. Two friends just made a podcast. It's called Culture Bucket. Hi everyone, welcome to the 64th episode of Culture Bucket, the uh, world's greatest podcast, the universe's greatest podcast. Um, officially recognised, uh, <laughs> the award has gone to Culture Bucket and uh, it's a joint award, it's being accepted by George, that's me. And um, my co-host, Alex, who's with me as well. Hi, Alex. Hi, George. Hi, everyone. Hi. Would you like to thank anyone for this award? I would like to thank you for, uh, for uh, encouraging me and following my dreams. Good. <laughs> don't put me on a spot. Uh, yeah. I don't, know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I could ever win an award. I'd be the most awkward, like, I think... <laughs> I think on the vein of Olivia Coleman. Have you ever seen her accept an award? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's so like everywhere. Ah. That's true. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Who would you thank? Would you thank your family? No, no one. No. <laughs> no, it's I did it all myself, so they can they can swivel. <laughs> what is this? <laughs> You're like being all braggadocious. They can swivel. Yeah. <laughs> they can they can absolutely swivel. I got here um, powered by my own steam. Thank you very much. Um, no, that's not obviously. I'd thank everyone I've ever met or seen or been there. Um, right. So why are we talking about thanking people? Because it's Oscar season. Everyone has gone absolutely <laughs> mad with Oscar fever. Uh, that's not true. Nobody cares about the Oscars anymore. But it's an, it's a good opportunity to talk about films and just talk about what we like doing, which is talking about movies. So we're going to be doing our top five best picture winners at the Oscars yeah. uh, today, which is pretty cool and exciting. Uh, but before that, we've got Culture Catch-Up. We've got MyTube. We've got Homework to Discuss. And then we've got top five to go through and then recommendations as well at the end. So please do stick around for that. Um, yeah. Good. Yeah. Sh- shall we get going? Yeah, man. Okay, good. What right, have you been doing it, this lovely March, beginning of March week? Uh, in this lovely beginning of March week, I've been watching some TV and been to the cinema twice. So let's discuss it. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know why funny that funny. Uh, yeah, let's discuss it. First of all, I finally started watching um, what is now the second biggest ever TV show on HBO, um, Euphoria. Yeah, I've just finished the second season. Nice. Mm. Um, that's funny. Why? 
I know I just googled Euphoria to find like the page about it on Wikipedia and you know Google does that people also ask thing. Yeah. And um the top thing that people ask about Euphoria is did Netflix remove Euphoria? No. no it's not a it's Netflix. It's never been show. on Netflix. <laughs> That just made me laugh because I like to imagine... Because people just assume everything's on Netflix, don't they? So they'll go and look it up and be yeah. like, oh, they must have taken it down. Why would they take such a popular show down? Um, this is a this is a teen drama show. Alex has talked about it before. Um, it's created by Sam Levinson, uh, son of Barry Levinson. And, Who's Barry um, Levinson? Barry Levinson's a film director. He made films such as um, Diner, Good Morning Vietnam was oh. him. Um Rain wow. Man, he, he, he won Best Director Oscar for Rain Man, uh, which wow. is relevant today because, of course. I didn't realise they were related. I didn't even think about it. Wow. Abs- absolutely they are. Um, so, yeah, so uh, created by Sam Levinson, starring, of course, um, Zendaya, everybody's favourite. Yeah. Um, and, and most perfect of all actors. Um, along with a variety of other actors such as Maud Apatow, Angus Cloud, Eric Dane, Alexa Demi, Jacob Elordi, Barbie, Barbie Ferreira, and um, Sydney Sweeney, that we've, who we've talked about in detail in the White Lotus the episode. The White Lotus, yeah. Uh, and Hunter Schaefer, who is um, probably the best actor in the show, in my opinion. Mm, yeah. As Jules. Um, but the show is very much centred around uh, Zendaya's Rue, um, which I find confusing because there was a major character in The Hunger Games called Rue, and I don't know why it confuses me that two characters have the same name, but it does. <laughs> I always think of The Hunger Games when everyone, anyone mentions her name. Um, uh, I don't know what to say about it that you haven't already said, other than I'm... I've I've got one episode of the first season left to watch mm. and then there's two specials and then the second season. Yeah. So I will I will report back when I've watched the whole thing. But currently I think it's okay. Mm-hmm. Um but I've heard the second season is better and you were more convinced by the second season, weren't you? Yeah, I was definitely more convinced by the second season. I'm not convinced by the last episode of the in the second season. I've seen it- a lot of people say that. I um, I guess I guess because something happens, I really don't want it to happen. But also, it's very repetitive. So yeah, like mm, I'm not convinced by. But there's going to be another season, so it's been renewed for a third season. But I don't know because they're growing up very fast. These kids, because um, mm. well, these actors, because it started in 2020, I think, or 20. When was the first season out? In 20. Uh, 2019. Yeah, so the first season came out in 2019, and then there was the global pandemic hit, and then they all grew yeah. up. <laughs> so they're kind of like a little bit older now. And then because yeah. it takes so long to film each episode, because, you know, he's really meticulous about how he films, and you'll see more in that in the second season. Um, yeah. Like, it's not going to come out until 2024. And <laughs> they're going to be, like, closer to 30 and um, so I'm not sure if they're bringing new characters or they're going to college. I don't know how he's going to set that up, but, you know, yeah. But, yeah, I guess it depends on what what he chooses the focus for it to be. Because, I mean, it does, it, does it have to be that they're teenagers? Does it work if they're adults? I think it can. 
Yeah, it can work if they're adults, but in the States, they tend to all go to different parts of the country for university. So unless they stay there for another year, they, you uh. know, they're going to be very separate. So I guess that that's the thing. I don't, I don't know. Uh, but they're not really friends, are they? All of them, they're kind of dislike each other yeah, quite a true. bit. So maybe it's a good idea that they all like <laughs> branch out into the world. Hmm. Yeah, I could see them doing a season that follows like three of the characters at different universities or something like that. Yeah. Um, could be interesting. Mm. Uh, it likes to. Yeah, I don't know. It's in. It likes to wallow in misery a lot. Y- yes. Yes. The I've second noticed. season, there's a little bit more laughter. And okay. there's a lot of tragedy. There's more range in the second season. It's not as dark okay. and horrendous as the first season. Yeah. But still, it's very, like, dark. You know, there's not much, yeah. you know, laughter. No. But it's very well made. There's definitely, like, there's one episode in particular where I was, like... Because I, I read something where, or you might have told me that he considers each episode to be a self-contained yeah. film. Yeah. Rubbish, nonsense, not true. No, no, in the Absolute second pretentious series, series, not in the first Well, one. maybe. In the first series, that's not true. Yeah, no. Um, but uh, the episode where they go to the fair mm. is filmed in a very sort of almost auteur way. feels like a kind of... The, the, the camera has a voice of its own in that episode in a way that maybe in the earlier episodes it didn't, mm. which was interesting to see. Uh, like, there's lots of scenes of them walking through walking through the fair and the camera's shooting the characters from below mm. and you just ha- you're seeing these fireworks exploding by in their head as they're kind of looking around and looking for different characters and stuff and it creates quite a heck you know frantic um energy in the scenes and yeah no i i i've i've enjoyed it but it's not perfect yet but i'm interested to see what season 2 brings mm. because it's um it's pretty it's well made and the acting in it is very good particularly yeah. zendaya particularly uh, Hunter Schaefer, mm. and um, maybe just because I really liked her in The White Lotus, but Sydney Sweeney as well, I've really oh, enjoyed in it. Yeah. Sydney Sweeney is like going to be even more chaotic in the second season, and so she's mm. going to show some kind of really <laughs> good range. And uh, I've read that she really enjoyed being kind of a little bit unhinged in the second season. Uh, okay. She's really unhinged. <laughs> Interesting. Um, All right, I like yeah. it. But I think I think the see the I think Euphoria is definitely made by the actors. I think they're really good, and um, uh, the second season is really pretty to look at. It was shot in like film, Kodak something right. film. Right, rather than so it wasn't shot on digital. It no. was shot on actual film. Yeah, so it's really pretty to wow, look that's... at. So even if it's like there's a moment where it's been repeated for sixty five times, it's quite nice to look at <laughs> at the film at the <laughs> at the screen. Yeah. Fair enough. Mm. Um. So yeah, that's Euphoria, and I will report back when I watch it again. Um. Next up, I went to cinema to see a film we've talked about a couple couple of times um and watch the trailer for together and stuff studio 666 yeah the horror movie from the foo fighters uh which they filmed in secret uh when they were uh recording their last album and uh the setup of this movie is it opens with dave Grohl and the rest of the foo fighters in a boardroom talking to their manager played by jeff garlin who people might know from the goldbergs or kirby enthusiasm 
and he's demanding that they deliver an album and they are currently experiencing writer's block, something the real Foo Fighters don't really struggle with as far as I know, but um, <laughs> that's the part of the movie. Yeah. So they decide that they want to kind of go somewhere that's going to really inspire them in the way that like when Led Zeppelin went to Alistair Crowley's haunted house and recorded mm. albums there in the 70s, that kind of thing, and Jeff Garland's like, I've got just the place for you. And then the majority of the film is them holed up in this mansion in California where in the 90s a band recorded an album there and all horribly were murdered by the lead singer. And, um, nice. yeah, and uh, the movie is basically just runs through a load of horror tropes of Dave Gold getting possessed by some kind of demon, demonic spirit in the house and then um, murdering various people in various gruesome ways and um, the rest of the band members trying to work out how to stop it. Uh, it's a really weird film. <laughs> oh, it, from, from the trailer, it was pretty... <laughs> it yeah. wasn't going to be normal, was it? There's, there's way more acting from the Foo Fighters in it than I expected and they're not professional actors and you have to kind of like very early on you have to be like I'm just gonna this is just a kind of fun goofy time at the movies I'm not going to take this too seriously otherwise you would um you would absolutely hate it in particular Pat Smear who's one of the guitarists I believe in in the Foo Fighters um is 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 sort of really acting it up as the comic relief in it to like really odd mixed results, but is quite funny. Like there's loads of scenes of him with like a kind of you know, like when you look at old nursery rhyme illustrations and there'll be a little mm. boy in like pajamas with a a hat like a pajama hat with a little fluffy ball on yeah. the end. He's like wearing one of those and walking yeah. around the house and it's it's bizarre. But the gore and the effects are way better than I expected them to be. I think they mm. got a genuine um, sort of special effects legend of some degree to come and be involved in the production of it in that way, which was pretty paid off, basically, because um, there's some quite gnarly, grim deaths and stuff, and they're mm. all filmed pretty well. They're all kind of executed really well, which is good. Um, John Carpenter wrote the theme tune for the movie, so it's got an amazing theme tune, obviously. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Apparently, Dave Grohl, like one of the, what was it? What? Oh, when Dave Grohl told one of his roadies that he was gonna make a horror movie, the guy was like, "Oh, I was the roadie for John Carpenter on his tour. You should email him and see if he'll do a cameo in it." And Dave Grohl messaged him, expecting nothing back, and John Carpenter replied saying something like, "You took my son on tour a few years ago, and you were amazing to him. So I'll cameo in your movie, and I'll write the theme tune for you." And then he wrote this pretty great classic Carpenter tune that kicks off the film and then he does have a little cameo in it later on which made me all excited when it when it happened um and yeah i uh, it's probably going to be tricky for anyone listening to this to see it in the cinema because i think it's probably already probably was in the cinemas for about a week but it'll hit <laughs> streaming services at some point yeah. and, and you know various other ways to watch it and if you have a passing interest in horror or the foo fighters then you should probably go and check it out because it's it's a pretty fun time um, the only thing that turned me off it is a lot of the humour in it is a bit on the sort of adolescent boy end of sort of mm. humour. Uh, there's a lot of kicking each other in the testicles and things like that, which I found slightly tiring. But, um, you know, yeah. it's fine. <laughs> we could live with it. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, that was Studio 666. Next up, third thing, last thing to talk about Culture Catch-Up is... The only thing I'm interested in talking about today, to be honest, um, I went to the cinema yesterday to go and see <sighs> The Batman. 
Twenty twenty twos. Yeah. Say that again. Do I really want to watch it? Yeah, of course I really want to watch it. Well, you you decide after I say what I thought about it. Okay. Twenty twenty twos. The Batman, written and directed by Matt Reeves, who, if people don't know Matt Reeves, he directed Cloverfield years ago. He directed two of the recent Planet of the Apes movies, mm-hmm. and uh, the American remake of Let the Right One In, which is one of the very few remakes of Horan. Horan, foreign language horror movies that actually worked. Um, his remake of Let Me Let the Right One In is great. Mm-hmm. Um, weird journey to the screen for this Batman movie. It was originally announced as a Ben Affleck film that he was going to write and direct and star in as his version of Batman. Then eventually, you know, he had such a horrible time making um, the Batman movies he did make, or not Batman movies, the Justice League things that he mm-hmm. made that he decided he didn't want to do this Batman film. And then it was announced Matt Reeves was taking over, and then it was announced that Ben Affleck had dropped out. And I think ultimately it all got a bit confused because I think that Matt Reeves' project, which is what's been released now, was never the same project that Ben Affleck quit. It was it was two separate things, effectively, because mm. this this is very far removed from what Ben Affleck had been talking about wanting to do. Um stars Robert Pattinson as Bruce Wayne slash Batman. Paul Dano as the Riddler. Mm-hmm. Colin Farrell as the Penguin. Zoe Kravitz as Selena Kyle or Catwoman. Jeffrey Wright as Police Lieutenant Jim Gordon. And Andy Serkis as Alfred Pennyworth, uh, the butler to Bruce Wayne, of course. And who else is in there that needs to be talked about? John Turturro turns up. I didn't really realise John Turturro was in this movie, but he is. As uh, Carmine Falcone, uh, a cry, a, you know, a, a, anyone who's read a lot of Batman comics will know Carmine Falcone. He's like one of the kind of mob bosses in Gotham that ends up being supplanted by all the kind of costumed freaks that come and take over in the wake of Batman. Um, and... It was described before release as being, let's have finally a Batman movie where the world's greatest detective is actually a detective and does detective work. So in the lead up to the movie coming out, this is what had been talked about, that it was going to be a detective film for once, that it was based on films like Seven and Zodiac Killer, like they talked about how the Riddler was based on the Zodiac Killer and um, Taxi Driver was inspiration, and um, all these other films, all the President's Men, all kind of coming together to form the inspiration for the new Batman movie. And then the last kind of key bit of information that came out before it was released was that it is three hours long, the yeah. longest Batman movie by some um, by some amount, and also I think the third longest comic book movie ever behind Zack Snyder's four-hour-long Justice League and Avengers Endgame, which is just over three hours, eh? Just too long, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, but the thing is, Justice League and Avengers are at least team-up movies, so they have like all these characters that they need to fit in, and yeah, all this plot to tell in the event. Like this is a this is a this is a the first Batman movie in like this new iteration of Batman. It was kind of wild that they'd gone with a three-hour-long. Mm, film yeah. straight from the top. Um, it's it's amazing. <laughs> of course. 
I was nervous because I really like, I mean, I was the, I was the perfect age when The Dark Knight came out. I think I was about 17 and so that take on Batman Begins and The Dark Knight and The Dark Knight Rises and Christopher Nolan and Christine Bale's take on Batman is kind of definitive. And Mark Commode reviewed this movie the other day on the radio in the UK. He's a popular film critic in the UK. And he talks about how he thinks that all of the Batman movies now just will seem like footnotes to Christopher Nolan's films. Mm. And I don't agree because... Christopher, this movie is, like, I was quite nervous in a similar way for a while because they'd they'd talked about how it was grim and grounded and gritty and realistic. Mm. And it's like, well, that's all the ways that we described. We already did that. Christopher Nolan did that. And it was really good. How are you going to kind of do a similar thing to him Mm. and have it work or, or have it feel like its own thing? But the thing about this movie is it is gritty and grim like the entire movie takes place almost at night time all pretty much every scene set outside it's raining uh the color palette of the film is like black and red Mm. and that's just about all the colors you're getting on screen most of the time and that is so different like so many scenes in the dark night are set like that opening scene in the dark night where the joker attacks the bank that's in the daytime there's loads of scenes in the dark night rises set in the daytime like the scenes in this movie set in the daytime but just the visual look of the movies is very different and Christopher Nolan's Batman films felt like they were grounded in a way where a lot of Batman stuff couldn't happen. Like when he did Bane in the third movie, Bane wasn't injecting himself with venom that was making him really strong. He was just a really strong guy and that was Mm. good and fine. And like, I love that movie. I'm not debasing it, but like what Matt Reeves has managed to do is make a Batman film that feels grounded and realistic. Like for the first time in this movie, when Bruce Wayne removes the Batman cowl, he still has eyeliner around his eyes. He still has black eye makeup on. Because he, he does. Because whenever we see Batman, he's got black eye makeup on. So why yeah. not show that mm. on Bruce Wayne when he takes his mask off? Yeah. Um. So it feels grounded in that way, but it also it feels like a comic book world in a way that like Christopher Nolan's movies didn't. It's almost the, mm. it's almost the halfway point between the Tim Burton movies that were completely comic book, crazy yeah. fantasy films um, with almost too much to that degree for some Batman fans. Mm. And then the Christopher Nolan movies, which are super set in, in attempting to be set in the real world. This happens in the middle where it feels real and realistic. And you really think about the impact that doing this would have on somebody and like the film examines how the impact of being Batman would be on Bruce Wayne but equally, it feels like you can have, you know, Mr. Freeze could turn up in this world and it, it could potentially work, whereas Mr. Freeze in the in the Nolan movies just couldn't happen. Mm. Um, and I kind of, I kind of loved, I'd loved that about it. It has um, the first hour, like the first act of the movie, kind of broadly has um, the voiceover from Batman describing like he explains that he's been Batman at that point in the film for two years like when the film opens he's been Batman for two years Mm. and it kind of opens with him talking about how the criminals in the city are starting to be afraid of him and they're always looking in the shadows Mm. to see if he's in the shadows and whenever they see the bat signal in the sky it strikes fear into them um and then he says you know I'm not in the shadows I am the shadows and it's just oh it's so good (laughs) and Robert Pattinson's voice as Batman is quite basic. Yeah. There's been interviews recently where he talked about how he did a really wispy voice for a couple of weeks and eventually they asked him to stop it because I think he was trying to make quite a, a big choice that would feel like, you know, his definitive stamp on it. And what he's ultimately gone with is something far more 
like what Kevin Conroy does as Batman, which is just to be a sort of gravelly voiced guy, but not to the extreme that Christian Bale did it in his yeah. Batman movies. But it works. It's a good it's a good solid voice. And his take on the character is it's he's very still, he's very dark, he's very quiet. Mm. In the scenes where he's got lots of scenes where he's talking to um, Jeffrey Wright's uh, Lieutenant Gordon, where they're exploring this crime, the Riddler's crimes, and trying to work out what the truth is. And mm. um, he's very he's very good in these scenes as Batman because he's he's covered in a costume and a mask and all of these things. But Robert Pattinson's performance, I think, really comes through um, through a lot of stillness and silence, and it really works. And the way that other characters react to him um, really works. Colin Farrell as the Penguin is amazing. I've like multiple people I've seen saying that they didn't even know it was Colin Farrell. And I've seen other people saying, like, why would you hire Colin Farrell to do this when he when he doesn't even... You, you put in all this makeup on top of him. He doesn't look like himself, so why have you hired him? Because he had a perfect take on the Penguin. He's, he's so good in this movie, and I've mm-hmm. never, like... He's never done anything like this before, Colin Farrell, and it's a, it's an absolutely incredible, like, take on the Penguin. And a lot of stuff that came out before the movie was that... Um, the penguin wasn't in the film very much. He was only a handful of scenes. He's like I don't. This isn't a spoiler review of any kind, but there's more penguin in this movie than I expected, and I I was there for it. It was really good. It was oh, fantastic. Um, Paul Dano as the Riddler is is great. Like no one in this movie is better than Heath Ledger in The Dark Knight, because that's one of the greatest villain performances ever mm. in, in anything. But they don't need to be because in fact for the first time in a Batman movie, the main character isn't one of the villains or Bruce Wayne. The main character is Batman. And you hardly mm. even get much Bruce Wayne in this movie. It's 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 Batman. It's Batman exploring this these crimes and solving these mysteries and trying to work out what's going on and trying to help Gotham and struggling with that and being being finding out stuff about his own past that surprises him. And it's great. It's great. And I need to go and watch it again because it, I might like it more than The Dark Knight, but I can't decide because that's one of my... That, I mean, that's one of the best movies ever made. So it's, it seems impossible to think that it could be better than The Dark Knight. But I am obsessed with it at the moment. I absolutely love this movie. And I, I, I think definitely Robert Pattinson is my favourite Batman on film. That's it is such a good film. I really want to watch it. You gotta watch it. Oh yeah, but I, they put it on really stupid hours here in in English, and you know if it's three hours, I'll get out of the cinema at twelve. But sounds good. But Bold it's... statement because the Dark Knight was amazing. Is this going to be another trilogy? It's apparently a trilogy, and there's stuff in this like there's there's a bunch of stuff in this film, but not in the way that like some movies set up future sequels. Like Amazing Spider Man Two tried to set up a whole load of sequels, and it didn't really. Mm. work and it detracted from the film like this film works on its own but there's definitely loads of points where you can see them spinning it off into sequels and trilogies so yeah they've said it's going to be a trilogy uh robert pattinson seems keen to do a trilogy like all the actors seem really keen like they're going to do apparently a penguin they've they've announced and confirmed they're doing a penguin tv show so colin fowler is going to return as the penguin in a tv show for hbo max kind of chronicling his rise to the top of the Gotham underworld and they're also going to do a like this film starts at on this film starts when he's been doing Batman for two years so they're going to do a TV show apparently as well they've announced showing his first year as Batman but through the eyes of the Gotham Police Department not through his eyes as Batman so there's going to be a film or TV show where we see his beginnings as Batman um, 
you know, through through Gotham itself, which is again an interesting idea. And Gotham is like I love the look of Gotham in this movie. Uh, they filmed a load of scenes in England. They filmed a lot of it in Liverpool, and they used sort of that gothic architecture incredibly well. Um, and it's a joy to kind of yeah to to see. Oh, wow. it's such a good film. Yeah, sounds amazing. Um, I think I think I think um, yeah, because they haven't really they haven't really pushed Batman into a more surreal place you know if when you when you you know gotham is this like kind of dark city of yeah you know and you're right it's either being too comic booky or too real yeah and, and like like gotham city is like this kind of like i've always imagined it after watching sin city that that was kind of gotham city you know well they, they, i mean this film Actually, there's there's quite a bit in this film that you could take from Gotham, from from Sin City, mm. and um, it's not to take like the Tim Burton movies. No, they're good amazing. Films. Absolutely, I, I like them. The, I, the Joel I, Schumacher I, movies are terrible. Yeah. And I didn't um, mind those. I grew up with those. No, I, I thought I thought they were okay. I grew up with them as well. They're bad films. I don't like <laughs> them. Um, and then the Christopher Nolan ones are good as well, but like Christopher Nolan's Gotham City is just sort of Chicago, and that's fine yeah. for what he's doing because he's he's making sort of crime films. He's get he's taking his influences from Michael Mann and Heat and stuff mm. like that, and creating a crime movie where this Kate Crusader Batman is is sort of dealing with organized crime in that way. Whereas um, Matt Reeves has just created the Gotham City that I would want to see on film, like you said, mm. like it. It's rain-drenched, it's gothic, it's dark, it's dreary. Catwoman is amazing. It's, yeah, it's so good. It's so good. Nice. Sounds good. Yeah, yeah. I hope, I hope, I know it's on at stupid times, but I hope you manage to watch it at some point because I want to talk about it more. Yeah, I will. I will watch it somehow. Yeah. Well, that's all the culture catch-up I've got. So what have you got? Did you go, do you not go to a gig? Oh, I did. I went. I saw Wolf Alice a couple of times, actually. A couple. Um, well, yeah, they played in Manchester for two nights, and I went both nights. Okay. Because uh, I had two different two different people that wanted to see them, and they we got tickets for different nights, so I ended up going twice. Uh, they were great. They were really good. I love Wolf Alice. I've talked about them a lot on this podcast before, and uh, getting to see them live for the first time was really really entertaining. Um, they're definitely one of those bands that have like a set. And they like it felt like you're watching a show, and the both nights the the set list and the performances were pretty much identical. But they do put on a really good show, so it was it was fun to watch both times. I love their song. So yeah, no, Wolf Alice were great. Nice, good. Yeah, good, yeah, good, yeah, good. Yeah. 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 So it's my turn. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, next week we're going to talk about um Encanto, and um, but uh, we have already recorded that. Uh, but after we rec- we recorded the episode, uh, yeah. I uh, I listened all this week to the soundtrack of Encanto. Okay, nice. It's so good. It's so good. It is good. It's so it good. Is. And I cried every morning. And <laughs> I was like, oh my God, why am I so harsh on Manuel, Lin-Manuel Miranda? I don't understand. Maybe I should give like Hamilton another go. <laughs> yeah, well, you, you should but, give Hamilton um, another go. I, I still, I, I'm still not 
into the your favorite song um the Louis, surface it, pressure surface pressure but it has grown on me and then i decided to uh watch encanto again and it's so ah <laughs> uh, the second time is even better it's such a good movie and i've told all my kids to watch it all week and i've been singing let's talk let's let, we don't talk about bruno all week and <laughs> it's so amazing but it's just the tears that come down when you know um, I don't move the mountains. Oh, so good. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I'm obsessed. Uh, I'm a little bit too much. Uh, but yeah. So um, but um, after also after uh, recording, marry me. I hope uh, uh, <laughs> we were talking about um, uh, another film came out the same day as marry me. Um, but not at the cinema. It's an Amazon film called I Want You okay. Back, another romantic comedy. Oh, is this with Charlie Day and um, Jenny Slate? Yes, yes. And uh, and we were, well, after talking about Marry Me, and it's like, you know, because I was really down on it because, you know, it's a romantic comedy and, I you know, it was, there was nothing new about it. And so I, I was like, I'm going to watch this. I want you back. And it has, uh, it stars Charlie Day, uh, Jenny Slate, and then Gina Rodriguez, who, I don't know if you ever see, uh, Jay, have you ever watched uh, Jane the Virgin? No, but I do know who Gina Rodriguez is. Good. And is uh, a romantic comedy and it's... Um, it's about uh, two uh, people that get uh, dumped, and uh, they they meet on uh, they meet randomly, and they team up to sabotage uh, their ex's new relationship, uh, and um, and that's that's it, and uh, I feel like that's the kind of romantic comedy, more romantic comedy, is what we should have. Yes, it's predictable. I, don't, I know you shouldn't be down on Mary, but I am. And this was like a really kind of fun romantic comedy that you can watch like two hours or an hour and a half, whatever long it is. And it was really good. Um, and, you know, I I, re- I like Charlie Day. He's always like in, in he's quite funny. And I really like uh, Jenny Slate. I think she's got, uh, I think uh, when I see a film with her or any comedies, it, it, uh, it warms me up. Nice. Yeah, yeah. So uh, if you're looking for romantic comedy, watch this, not marry me. Um, <laughs> Fair enough. And, uh, and then um, I, I watched a documentary. Um, uh, George knows this uh, and I convinced him a few times to go and see this kind of sport. And I watched a documentary on one of my favourite sports. Do you remember which one one of my favourite sports is? Um, that I dragged you to watch it. Su- sumo wrestling? Sumo, yeah. Right. <laughs> so what you just know, I, I love, so for our listeners, I love sumo. I've, uh, I, uh, when we moved to Japan, uh, for some reason we found some uh, cheap tickets um, and oh, to the sumo thing and we went and I became obsessed and then we went the next year and we took we uh, we were, we also took one of your friends that came to visit you, Emma, to see this we sumo, did. and we stayed in like the expensive seats. And I just love sumo. I think is a great 
great sport. And this is amazing documentary that was made in 2020 called Sumo Do, The Successor of Samurai. And it's really good because it shows I I appreciate sumo even more because I didn't realize how much they hurt themselves. <laughs> I don't know. I Because it's so big, I thought they were just kind of like, you know, hurting Bouncing themselves around. a little bit. But they, they cause serious injuries and especially because they're so big. Um, because there's a lot of like, boom, and they're so muscly and they've got so much power um and uh it it goes uh, it follows two different stables so the sumo wrestlers live in stables and they're part of stables and it follows two different stables uh and one of them is very um traditional and the other one is a little bit more uh modern and it's kind of they're co- comparing the the two stables and how they work and at the end, there is uh because at the end there is the the one uh, there's a fight against the two main guys from the two stables and it's quite exciting because it kind of like it there's first the first half is one stable the second half is the second stable you kind of get a- attached to both guys and then at yeah. the end they fight each other and you're like oh no who's gonna win and um, yeah it's pretty it's pretty uh, fascinating and uh, um. You know, if you have a chance to watch it, and if you don't know a lot about sumo, uh, it uh, it show you it shows you how uh, focused the sumo wrestlers are, and how um and how it it you know it's 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 a sport of, in a way of, of honor, and uh, it doesn't matter how much they hurt, they still want to be you know they still want fight and um. It's really good. I I really enjoyed it, and I know people may maybe look a little bit find sumo a little bit weird, but I find it like I love the ritual of it. I love the power of it. Ah, oh, it's just so much fun. I don't know if you enjoyed it watching it. <laughs> well, you did come. You did come to see it with me twice. So yeah, you know, it's it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> Much like any sport, it's it's okay, but it's the same thing over and over again. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We also went to see it. We also went to see uh Did we see a, a high school sumo tournament as well? Yeah, yeah. That was super weird because it's like high school kids <laughs> in like <laughs> in these like things, and uh, yeah, that was uh, that was tried slightly strange, but um, yeah, it was uh, it was good. Yeah. So sumo do the successors of samurai. Very very um uh interesting documentary and then if you like Ali Wong I watched her new special um have you seen Ali Wong's uh specials on Netflix uh no oh okay so um uh, Ali Wong is this comedian that last year also released uh, always me be my maybe mm, yes very good film Yes, a very very good film, but uh, she's uh, I've I've I the first time I saw her was in her uh, Netflix comedy special Ali Wong Baby Cobra, where she was pregnant mm. with her first child. A very good special, and then the second time I saw her, I saw her on her second special, which was Ali Wong Hadnock Wife, 
and she was pregnant with a second kid. And the new special, uh, which came out this year, and is called uh, Ali Wong Don Wong. Uh, she's not pregnant. Um, it's it's a good special. Uh, I find her funny. She's very. She's become very <laughs> crass. Maybe uh, she she's very. Uh, I would. I <laughs> I would. I enjoyed it, but also I did enjoy it. And you kind of have to like watch it all to then kind of go to the end. And maybe I enjoyed it more after I watched the ending of the comedy special. Um, I don't think it's her best, but I love her. She's fun. Uh, she's really, uh, she takes the piss out of herself. She takes the piss out of like her husband and her family. And um, it's it's fun. It's a fun hour to watch. And I really like her. I think she's also really good um, physical comic, like her face uh changes mm. so much and uh she and i think that's part of her uh comedy and so i thought it was really good and uh, i've got one album recommendation for uh you today an album that came out uh this year uh on uh february in february this year uh from an artist called mitski oh yeah Yes, uh, she released an album called Laurel Hell. Really, really good album. I really enjoyed it. It's got some really, it's like a like poppy indie pop, like electro pop, synthy pop. I there was some kind of element of eighties kind of pop, and I really, really enjoyed it. It's a really good album, and if you haven't listened to it, listen to it because it's super fun. Apparently, this is her sixth studio album. I've never heard of her before, so I'm going to go back in her um, in her discography and listen to her more because it's really, really, really good. And, um, yeah. And she's only, like, I can't believe it's a sixth studio album. She's, like, only 30, 31. Crazy. Yeah. She's good. She's a talented, talented lady. Yeah. Have you ever have you ever listened to her? Uh, yeah. Not the new album, but her album uh, "Bury Me at Makeout Creek" is very good. And, good. Um, Be the cow. I think her last album was called "Be the Cowboy." Mm. Um, and that's also pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Be yeah, the cowboy I... is good. Be the cowboy got got got, got a lot of good reviews. But I think mm. bury me at Makeout Creek is considered a bit of a classic. So if you're mm. looking I, at other ones to go and check out, I'd recommend that one. Yeah. But yeah, this uh, yeah. this album is really good. I really enjoyed it. So, um, it's a good album to start her, her uh, my journey with her. And yeah, <laughs> and that's my culture nice. culture for the week. Listen to Encanto. <gasps> it's so good. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Um, okay. Good culture catch up stuff from there. Uh, obviously the only thing you really need to worry about is is the Batman. But <laughs> Alex had some good stuff as well. Um so should we do some my tube? Yeah. Okay.
Uh, I'll go first and then you've got something to share as well, right? Yeah, which I think probably you've seen already, but maybe you haven't. You never know. Okay, well, you take that and tell me when you're ready to watch it. Okay. Oh, I've seen the trailer for this. Oh, you have? Let's watch it again because I'm so excited. So uh, George sent me a... Uh, trailer for a 2022 Brad Pitt, Brian Tyree, Tyree Henry, Bullet Train. Bullet Train. So let's watch yes. it, see what you think. Yeah, I'm so excited. This looks so good. Okay. I'm so excited because uh, also uh, Atlanta, season three of Atlanta is coming out with him. It so. is. Mm. I need to watch. I need to watch it properly. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, okay. You ready? Yeah. Okay. Three, two, one, go. So they're on a bullet train in clearly Japan. Yep. <laughs> Brian Tyree Henry's got some crazy this hair. This is the quiet car. They're in the quiet car. <laughs> ah, they have to be quiet and they're fighting in the quiet car. I like it. Yeah, this is Brad Pitt and Brian Tyree Henry. And it's Japan. I miss you, Japan. But it's kind of a comic book Japan, isn't it? Yeah, it looks like it. I mean, it's yeah. the director from one of the John Wick movies and one of the Deadpool movies, so it's definitely yeah. like a heightened reality type thing. Yeah. There's Sandra Bullock passing him his instructions. Ah, is that Sandra Bullock? Ah, okay. It is indeed. Okay. There's various assassins on this train. Uh huh. Yeah, I don't quite get a feeling of what the story is from this trailer, but I definitely get the feeling that it's going to be a fun movie. Yeah, so I think everybody wants this brief briefcase, and everybody's going to yeah. fight for this briefcase. Including Bad Bunny. Yeah. Popular musician. Is he? Yeah, 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 yeah. He's like a... I forget the term for it, but he's a, he's, yeah, he's a very popular uh, rapper. Okay. Musician, guy. Yeah. And that, oh, it just looks amazing. And then there's um, Aaron Taylor, not Aaron Johnson Taylor. Aaron. Aaron Taylor Johnson. Aaron Aaron Taylor Johnson. Yeah, a lot of pretty solid character actors, yeah. and then Brad Pitt. Yeah. It just looks fun, doesn't it? And this scene now yeah. with Brad Pitt looks really funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does. Oh. Dom, dom arigato. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's so much fun. <laughs> ah, that's like fun. Yeah. I'm excited. I'm scared it might not be that good because it's really some good scenes in the trailer, but I think it'd be very entertaining. So yeah, I hope it's entertaining. I've yeah. got another. I've got another trailer for you here. Okay. That you may also have watched. I don't know, but it, it, another one that looks like it could be fun, but this one looks like it might also be a disaster. I don't know. I'm interested <laughs> to know what you what your take on this is. Okay. Like every film it could be fun it. or a disaster. So. Oh, okay. I haven't seen the trailer for this, but I saw it 
like I, I know the existence of it. So it's a uh, uh, the bubble uh, Judd Apatow comedy. I do like Judd yeah. Apatow. I think he does some good films. Personally, uh, I think it's funny. I think he makes films that are good in part, but t- always like twenty minutes too long. Okay. Says the Comedy guy that says be... that he loves a three-hour film of a guy. Yeah, but that's that's fat. like a film noir. <laughs> that he makes like Judd Apatow makes improv comedy movies. Like they should and be I ninety love minutes improv and comedy out. Movies. Yeah, they still should be ninety minutes and out, though, in my opinion. But let's see. I don't know, and I don't know how long this film is, but I hope it's not it's like two okay. and a half hours long. Okay, are you ready yeah. to go? Yeah. Okay, three, two, one, go. Okay, so they're climbing a mountain. It's a Netflix film. Yeah. Oh. I think his daughter is in it as well. Iris Apatow, I think, not Maud. I think so, yeah. 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 That's Iris Apatow, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> what is this? Oh, and they're in a green screen. <laughs> That's quite funny, actually. Oh! Start of production of Cliff Beast Six. Ah, okay. For joining us in You're getting why it's called the bubble, oh. yeah? Oh, the, the there's also the like COVID in this film. I like it already. And they have the visor. Oh. Oh my god, it's Minnie Oh, I love her. What's her name? Uh, Kate McKinnon. Kate McKinnon. I love Kate McKinnon. Oh, Fred Armisen, Karen Gillan, David Duchovny. I think this is going to be good. Like, I like all the actors in it. I, yeah. Why do you look like Benedict Cumberbatch right now? Hello, I'm Benedict Cumberbatch. Stop being Benedict Cumberbatch. Oh. Uh, oh, is that Maria? Is, that from, is she from? Borat 2, yeah. Borat 2. Oh, wow. Yeah. I now I understand why it's called the bubble. Okay. Okay. I understand why it's called the bubble. Well, uh, I, I like the fact they included COVID in it. I think there's going to be yeah. a British sensibility to it. So I think it's going to be extra funny. Well, Peter Serfanovich is in there, which is good. And Guz Khan is a good British comedian. So Yeah. 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 I hope, yeah, I hope I'm it's excited. good. It looks Mad. But it's going to be on Netflix straight away, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And pretty soon, like, end of this month, I think it's going up on the 1st of April, so... Cool. Yeah. Uh, so what have you got for my tube? Um, I've got a... I think it's a series on Hulu. Okay. Have you seen so it? So this is a... I haven't seen this trailer, no, but I know of this... This is a movie. Ah, it's a movie. It's a movie uh, that's coming out. It was meant to come out on Friday, actually, uh, in the UK, and I was going to watch it, and then uh, it got delayed by two weeks. It's coming out um, near the end of March uh, on Disney Plus in the UK. Okay. But I think it's already it's already out on Hulu in uh, America. But yeah, because it seems Hulu like Hulu, like, for example, Pam and Tommy, it was a Hulu thing, but now it's out on Disney Plus. That's because, that's because Hulu only exists in America, so it doesn't... Ah, okay. So stuff that gets, like Hulu shows come out, because Disney owns Hulu, so oh. internationally their stuff gets released on Disney+. Plus. Okay. 
not 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 the most exciting. Um, <laughs> Tommy and P- Pam and Tommy. It is. No, no, no. I just meant like uh, discussing the who oh, owns well, Hulu, etc. Yeah. It, it's fine that you don't know that because it's boring. <laughs> you know everything. You're like uh, my encyclopedia. George, can you explain this to me? <laughs> like there's days like, uh, George, what are NFTs? <laughs> I don't know. It's like cryptocurrency. Uh, uh, don't get into <laughs> NFTs with me, please. Um, <laughs> uh, have you seen the trailer? So, no, I haven't okay. seen the trailer. Uh because I know I want to watch the movie, so I didn't bother watching the trailer. But oh. we'll watch it now and talk about it. Okay. Three, two, one, go. The women of our parents' generation. Crab. There's a woman. You know I mean? There's a man. Because I think you would just look great in a dress. Uh, but I mean, if you were pretty much done, actually, thank you. They're on a bad date. Uh, his scarf's in the food. Oh, it's horrible. Dating people. No, no. You do not need a man, okay? So don't play the games. Just That's it. You straight out the gate. Do you live around here? Because I, I live on aisle six. Oh, it's terrible. Well, it's kind of terrible. So it's, that's like a really a romantic comedy. And then... Oh, yeah. Oh, no. What's happening? What do you They've, think is happening? There's been a whirlwind romance, but now it seems like maybe he's drugged her. And then? Is he going to eat her? <laughs> it, it could maybe be. Like, because I feel like that looks like meat and it's called fresh. Yeah. And I'm like, is he going to eat her? Is it about straight girls fantasy come true, right? Cannibalism? I thought it was I right think it up is. your street. So it it is up my street. I'm very <laughs> excited to see it. I was very annoyed when I realized it had been delayed. Um, <laughs> yeah, the poster for it is like a woman's hand in a meat packaging um, you know, packet. So uh, but then, then that all seems quite obvious, and what people say about it is is um, to go in knowing as little as possible about it. So, okay, maybe there's maybe there's something more to it. I don't know, but uh, is, yeah, I'm pretty yeah. interested to see it. Uh, fresh, coming soon to Hulu or Disney Plus. Uh, already out on Hulu or coming soon to Disney Plus elsewhere in the world. Um, uh, and it's mad that films like Fresh and that one that you talked about a few minutes ago of Charlie Day and Jenny Slate called I Want You Back. Uh, yeah. Films like that that look pretty good aren't coming out in cinemas now, but then films like Marry Me are coming out in the cinema. But that, <laughs> Where's that's the, rhyme that's or the reason? thing. I was just like, when I, I, want, I Want You Back is kind of like it would be quite a nice date film to watch with a partner or, you know, because it's fun and it's got like funny moments and, you know, there's a lot of crying and it's silly. And that's kind of the romantic, if you want a romantic comedy, I think that's the perfect combination. But it just, mm. I, I only saw it because I, I went on Prime yesterday, but I hadn't seen anything about it. So, and then Marry Me was everywhere. It was like <laughs> pants, and oh, and no. and the chemistry between uh, Charlie Day and Jenny St- uh, Slate is like it's there. There is chemistry. Yeah, 
Fair play. Fair play to them. Yeah. Okay, we've got some homework to discuss. Yeah. Sit down at the back and be quiet and get out your book because it's time to discuss your homework. Um, well, I'll go first. So yeah. I had to watch, based on our Sandra Bullock episode, the 1996 Joel Schumacher movie, A Time to Kill. Yes. Yeah. Uh, based on a novel by John Grisham. Um, this is a long, two and a half hour long <laughs> um, courtroom drama. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the sort... The, the likes of which we don't see anymore. We don't see John Grisham adaptations anymore. We don't see big, long, meaty courtroom dramas anymore. They don't tend to make these movies anymore. I think partly because superhero films are what we what we see now and stuff, <laughs> yeah. and also yeah. maybe partly because these sorts of stories now tend to get made into limited series TV shows and dramas and things rather than being like... The great thing about this movie is it's got Matthew McConaughey is in it, Sandra Bullock is in it, Samuel Jackson is in it. Yeah. Karen Spence is in it. Olive Platt's in it. <laughs> Charles S. Dutton's in it. Donald Sutherland is in it. Kiefer, Kiefer Sutherland is in it. Patrick yeah. McGowan is in it. Ashley Judd is in it. Chris Cooper is in it. Karen Spence is in it. It's got all these incredible <laughs> actors in it. And, and yeah. um, it's, it, it, you know, in the 90s, a TV show wouldn't have these people in it and, and the TV show wouldn't be amazing. Whereas now, today, if you made this book into a thing, you could still get all these actors and mm. make it into a TV series. But I kind of like this. I like the two and a half hour meaty courtroom drama mm. from the 90s aesthetic and vibe that we get from this movie. And I'm, you know, I wish that we still got films like this, but but we don't. Uh, Samuel Jackson is Carly Haley. Um, trigger warnings now for some you skip skip a few minutes ahead if you don't want descriptions of sort of sexual abuse and things because this movie is pretty dark. Um, Charles, the film opens with Carly Haley's daughter being abducted and uh, raped by two men, mm. uh, and this is a set in uh, is it set in Mississippi I think or it's set in a Southern American state mm. um, where racism is uh, you know this this is a movie about racism basically from the nineties, um, so. Samuel Jackson, his daughter is is raped in this way, and then the two white boys are take arrested for it because it's pretty clear that they did it, and as they're being taken to the courtroom, Samuel Jackson walks in with a gun and murders them both dead along with, um, in the kind of crossfire, a police officer gets shot in the leg, uh, so then. Um, Matthew McConaughey's Jake Briggins, a hotshot uh, defence lawyer in this small town, takes on the task of trying to prove to the world that uh, Samuel Jackson was insane during this moment um, and have him declared criminally insane or temporarily insane hmm. to basically have him found innocent of, uh, of this crime. And um, it's a pretty kind of interesting film because it's, it's quite a complicated case. Like, mm. I think that most people in the world we live in would agree that, Kevin, you know, Samuel Jackson's character has broken the law there. But you can also say that he's absolutely correct that he would have been in, you know, out not in control of his own actions there, and they that that case was going to happen in a state in America where those two men were probably going to pretty much get off with the crime that they had committed and um it's a controversial movie i was interested to see uh in the reception section on rotten tomatoes 
quite uh, once I was on Wikipedia, quite unusually, it's got an entire paragraph devoted to its reaction in France because mm-hmm. the French hate this movie for some reason. <laughs> well, not not for some reason. They they hate it because they think it's fascist and um, kind of glamorizes vigilantism. Mm. Um, so I, I guess based on that, the Batman movies probably don't get released yeah, in France. They probably hate yeah. all the Marvel films and all the Batman films. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, they have a. It's a real kind of vicious opinion on it. It's fascinating. It's a, it's a yeah, like I said, it's an interesting case. But um, it's a. It, I really enjoyed watching this film. I thought it was great. Um, I think all of the cast are brilliant. Matthew Matthew McConaughey is. Uh, in the period of his career before he decided to make lots and lots of romantic comedies. So, you know, right near the start where he was still being fantastic. Mm. Sandra Bullock being the reason that I watched it is really good in it as well. She's not actually in it lots. No. Um, she probably has like half an hour screen time across the two and a half hours, but she's, she makes a good impact as sort of a, I mm. guess, a, she wants to help the case, in the case, basically. She's another lawyer who comes along and offers to be a, a research assistant and stuff for Matthew McConaughey, and there's a couple of good scenes of her proving pretty invaluable to the team. Samuel Jackson, it's great to see a film from early in his career where he was really, like, before he was Samuel Jackson and when he was just an actor, and um, we don't get enough performances like this out of him nowadays uh, in terms mm. of... Well, no, I should be careful the way I say that because, obviously, there is an element to this character in this in this film in terms of, like... He's the he's the black man complaining about racism, and it's great that Samuel Jackson is able to now be in movies where it, it the fact that he's a black man isn't relevant to the characters he's playing. Mm. But um, he doesn't necessarily stretch himself dramatically in films as much nowadays. He does sometimes, mm. I'm sure, but like mm. most of the time when you see him nowadays, playing Nick Fury or some other big character whereas in this movie he's really got quite a lot to do dramatically and he's really good at it like he's amazing at it he should you know that's a man who's never won an oscar and in the 90s he did this and he did pulp fiction and you know either one of those movies i think he could have been oscar nominated for and won um yeah and the you know donald sutherland's in this you know a fair amount he's pretty good in it keith sutherland is um, quietly intimidating and scary in this film as sort of this presence in the background of uh, yeah. of the film who wants to avenge the death of the murder of his brother. And um, that's all the actors and other actors to discuss. And um, it's a good film. I liked it. It is. Good. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad. Yeah. I didn't Shut up. Sh- stop. <laughs> I hope you're not talking to me. No, I'm talking to my Alexa. Um, Very similar names as well. <laughs> that's probably why she decided to start piping up. Um, yeah, good. She's good. It was. It was a good film. I'm glad. I'm glad good. you made me watch it finally. And because um, I'd been looking at it on Netflix for a while, especially as we were doing the Sandra Bullock episode, and I thought that I should watch it. And um, I'm glad I did. Mm. I'm glad I did. I'd recommend people go and check it out if it if it's easily accessible for them like it is for me on Netflix. Give it a watch. It's um it's a good it's a good film. What about you? So uh I had to watch two films. Uh, should I start with Jaws first? Because that was their homework from a couple of weeks ago. Sure. Yeah. So I uh, watched Jaws and then I watched uh While You Were Sleeping. So I watched Jaws because 
of uh, our favorite um, top uh, because we did a top five Steven Spielberg films and I I think I had watched Jaws but I wasn't you know I think I didn't really I wasn't really impressed by it or I hadn't watched it all but yeah um, uh, it's set in Amity Island, which is a um, a small community where it seems like the only thing that is important is the Fourth of July and the summer trade. I guess during the Absolutely. winter nobody's there, and um, and uh, uh, they they don't make any money, and uh, it, <laughs> its only business seems to be to go to the beach. <laughs> That's the only important thing on Amity Island. Um, there's a there's a police chief uh, on the island played by Roy Scheider, which we have already seen in, which I had already seen in the film. What was that film that you told me to watch? Where they have to take explosives. Oh, yeah, Sorcerer. I forgot I told yeah, you to watch that. Sorcerer. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Roy Scheider is a police chief and he's really good you know he's he was a police chief in New York and uh, he um, gets called one day and they find uh, the remains of a body uh, the remains they find out that the remains of what well, the the coroner says that the remains of the body are of this uh, or are uh, from a shark attack like the girl has been attacked by a shark but then when the, the so Roy Scheider goes around and he wants to close all the beaches, but then the mayor comes and he says the beaches must not be closed. It's like, you can keep, keep the beaches open and not tell people not to go in the water, but never mind. Um, <laughs> no? I think that the uh, telling people not to go in the water implicitly is closing the beaches as far as I'm concerned. Mm, I guess you can go on the beach. Yeah, but people go there to swim in the sea, so... Yeah, I guess so. Uh, and, um, but then uh, there, there are more shark attacks. Uh, they are... Uh, Hooper arrives on the island. He's from the Ocean Gynographic... Wow, Oceanographic Institute. Yes, uh, to help out. Played by a fantastically young and beautiful Richard Dreyfus. He's very attractive in this film. <laughs> He's beautiful. Yeah, he is. And, um, and uh, they try, and, but the beaches are still open. People still die. And then uh, the chief, uh, Roy Scheider, Hooper, Richard Dreyfus, and Quint, played by Robert Shaw. Quint. Go on a boat. Robert Shaw is a um is a it's a shark a shark connoisseur he's got lots of shark mouths in his place he's a drunkard he's a fisherman they go out to sea to kill the shark um i i actually i actually quite enjoyed this film this time um good what i did not like was the fact that what happens to quint i was very upset because because by the end i really liked him i don't yeah think well that's what's that's that's but that's a that's I kind of a upset. strength of the movie i was upset by that i was like why yeah why do they have to do that to quint but um I well because it's like a sort of an analog for what's his name in moby dick i guess in terms mm. of his obsession with the shark leads to his Ultimate downfall. Spoilers so. for Jaws if you haven't seen it. Yeah. 
I guess so. But um, I really enjoyed it because um, I uh, what well, <laughs> one thing I found really weird is like Richard Dreyfus. He's he's like a guy that studies oceans. Why would he want to kill a shark? Like that he should do the opposite. So I don't know why they had to like he could have had another job maybe like a fisherman or something. That I thought that was a bit strange that like a uh, uh, a guy that works for the ocean wants to kill a shark. But never mind. Um, yeah, but it's, a, it's a murderous shark. It's not like a. Yeah, it's, but it's, it's not a real world scenario, Alex. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess, like I guess. That. But gotta... I just thought maybe he could have not done that. But I really like the chemistry between Richard Dreyfus, Rory Scheider, and Robert Shaw. I thought that was amazing, oh, especially yeah. when they're on the boat. They argue, they sing, they fight, they get drunk. It's all very yep. fun, and it seems yeah. like genuine fun between them and yeah. uh, it's um, like that's what makes Jurassic Park such a good film isn't yeah. it dinosaurs it's the chemistry mm. between Sam Neill and Jeff Goldblum and Laura Dern yeah. it's like the, this film Jaws isn't necessarily about the shark it's about the chemistry between those three actors yeah. and, and the way that they interact and that's what makes it like the scene on the boat where they're describing their different scars they're comparing yeah. scars yeah oh, I thought that was hilarious them. it was so much fun yeah it's so silly one of the best scenes in in cinema, in, it's it's, yeah. a, it's a kind of a classic scene. It's got nothing to do with the shark in the movie. It's just no, no, yeah. and it's 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 fun. It's um, it's got it's got some some good moments, and um, uh, <laughs> there's the moment where uh, <laughs> where Richard Dreyfus arrives at uh, Roy Scheider's um house, and he brings some wine, and uh, Roy Scheider brings oh, yeah. a little bit to it for his wife, a little bit for Richard Dreyfus, and then like an entire. <laughs> glass like pint glass for himself <laughs> and i was like yeah, yeah that's how i would feel that's a great bit um and um it's uh it's i it's 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 fun also because you know uh richard dreyfus plays the part of like an expert but in reality he has just money and no sense whilst quint is like uh, robert shaw is like this you know fisherman but he knows ev- he's very wise and they kind of yeah. learn from each other and it's 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 quite cool it's it's fun one of my favorite scenes was um cuz it felt um what what um Steven Spielberg managed to do the first time that um uh, the chief and Hooper go to the sea uh to kind of do some research and they go in the boat at night and oh, they yeah. go in this in this bit and it's clearly being filmed in a swimming pool or something because the water is still the lighting is weird but he managed to create a scene that it was kind of surreal so the it was kind of like a surreal moment that made total sense like they're there in the middle of nowhere you don't know what they are what they're doing and there's just this boat and there's still water and I don't think any other director could have been able to make this surreal moment work and people are like oh yeah mm. it's in a swimming pool but even even if it's probably in a swimming pool it's so surreal and well made and so well lit that it just felt like a like they it was a uh they were in a in a non place space I don't know yeah and I kind of started enjoying the movie more there because I was like well yeah this is about just they're trying to fight a monster they don't know exactly what it looks like where what it is and it it kind of adds to the it the film then becomes kind of like surreal. And so it doesn't yeah. you don't necessarily Did, need to take it too seriously, but also you are scared of this um this monster that you don't really see. 
Did the yeah. jump scare in that scene get you? Yeah, yeah, because yeah. it's just like this thing appears like, what the fuck? It's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> and then, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I liked it. I liked it. And it's really well acted. And I think that also adds to the film because it's really well, like, uh, acted. So, no, I, I, the second time round, I enjoyed it. Um, um, I, I don't like the fact that they, like, went against a shark and, you know, poor sharks. And For okay. the sake of it's Jaws, a- in 1975, you can kill a shark. 1975? <laughs> yeah. 70, yeah, I think so. 1975. Yeah. And then uh, for my Sandra Bullock homework, I had to watch While You Were Sleeping. Yes. <laughs> and uh, thank God there's Sandra Bullock in his film. Uh, be, and also, you know, Bill Pullman, because, you know, they're quite charming, both of them. And I think that's why the, the film works, because thinking about it is a little bit creepy yeah (laughs) and for me it's like constantly thinking so this film is about um lucy who uh works in in a booth in the in in a chicago metro or subway and she collects uh money you know you have to buy the tickets from her and she uh she's uh kind of she's got a crush on um uh this guy and uh, he and she sees him, and one day he says, "You know, Merry <coughs> Christmas." I think, and she loves him even more. And then, um, but she's really shy. She's kind of frumpy, isn't she? Like they made her really extra frumpy in this film. You know, messy hair, yeah. big clothes. You know, how can anybody be? She's she's still Sandra Bullock though. Yeah, basically. but it's like, oh, let's put Sandra Bullock. Like, let's mess Sandra Bullock's hair up and give her a big jumper. She's gonna look unattractive. It's like <laughs> it's impossible. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> just put a bag on her head, and that's the only way that maybe you don't know how beautiful she is. Uh, but yeah, so she saves him. Um, uh, from um, a mugging and he goes in a coma and then he, people think that she's gonna she's engaged to him and uh, the family um, the family uh, that visits this guy in, in a coma thinks that she's engaged with him and they kind of um, invite her, her in her home and then uh, she kind of uh, her and his brother uh for a kind of fall in love uh and then he proposes in the most kind of you know amazing way but the entire fi- like you know when he puts the ring in the foot in the booth not mind uh but yeah um and so they kind of fall in love and then they get married etc cetera, etc cetera. uh <laughs> when i watched this film i was like because i already watched it and i so i remembered it but it's just the kind of things like what's going to happen when they find out. It's kind of, yeah, I was just thinking, how 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 would any family react? And and they right they reacted well, very positively, you know. Well, they just have to like her so much that they don't care as long as they can yeah. continue to have her in in yeah. their life. Which is why it's a bit like, yeah, she's an amazing person, but why? Yeah. Does she wait? Why? Like, where are the where are the other people in her life that think she's amazing? And I know it's like, a film, and it had to be a film. But it was would have been so easy to say, no, actually, I don't know this guy. <laughs> no, because of the nurse. You see, the nurse heard her say, yeah, so now she yeah, has yeah. to. Yeah. And then the family friend said, no, 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 the grandma will die, so you have to keep it up, and I'll and I'll take the blame when yeah. it comes to it. Yeah. So. I but don't know. all of this is just subtext. It, the what you've just described, you could take. I guess that's part of the film, but that's not what the film's about. 
What do you mean? Well, the film is about a young man who woke up one morning thinking that his paper route was going to be an ordinary, oh, yeah, normal yeah. day. <laughs> and little but did he know, a... <laughs> disaster was going to strike. I watched that I watched that video on YouTube about <laughs> six times. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's probably like the most exciting part of the film. Um, <laughs> it's so funny. Like I was like... I kept watching it on YouTube on repeat. <laughs> and he just cycles. And then he's so into being this extra, isn't he? Yeah. And yeah. the first one, you can see he does it really like calmly. And then the second one, he just like goes for it. <laughs> and then he just swings around. <laughs> That's pretty he, funny. He um, broke his wrist. Yeah, he broke his wrist. And, amazing uh, yeah. but he provided one of the greatest moments in cinema so it's it fun. is pretty cool but yeah it's 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 a fun it's a good film you know it's uh they in the end they get married and they you know they have you know, the best the best part in chicago is seems to be the metro system um and they get married and they they they're on the, a train for some reason i don't <laughs> i don't know you could do that uh but no it, it was fun you know sandra bullock anything she does is good yeah, and fair. it's always nice to see Bill Pullman. I like him. Who does it? He's great. Yeah, yeah. it's really charming. I, I love him. Yeah, so two good films. Definitely Jaws is pretty exciting, and I'm glad I gave it a second shot. Five, four, three, two, one. Our top five. So today we're doing top five best picture movies. Until yeah. yesterday, I thought uh, it was going to be top five nominations, which was a long, long, long. That's list. too many. That's too many films, Alex. Yeah. <laughs> that was a long list. Also, because it it feels like more films. I like more of the nomination than the actual winners. Oh well, yeah. I mean, that's why. And one day we'll do like top five films that should have won but yeah. didn't. Um, were nominated but didn't win because then you could even go further in and be like films that didn't even get nominated but sh- were clearly the best films that year. Yeah. Um, who knows where the Batman will ultimately end up? I think it's going to win more Oscars than Titanic next year, but we'll have to wait and see. Mm. Um, so mm. we're doing our top five movies that have won the Best Picture Oscar. So any film from the very first Academy Awards. Uh, which I think was a film called Wings or Planes or something, uh, all the way up to last year's <laughs> Nomadland is eligible for uh, yeah. entry onto our top five, yeah? Yeah. Good. Um, I'm going to kick things off and then you can come in. Um, my number five is a film from... It's the oldest film on my list. In fact... It's the only film on my list that was released before I was born. Oh. Yeah. Uh, It's from 1968 and it is a musical because it is from the era where musicals made big money and won big awards. Mm -hmm. And it is the Charles Dickens adaptation, Oliver. Oh. (laughs) I have never seen it. Have you never seen Oliver? I have never Um, seen Oliver. I have a huge soft spot for this movie. I grew up uh, watching it all the time. In particular, it was a sort of 
Christmas Day tradition mm. in my house to watch Oliver, um, or Christmas Eve even, and uh, I ended up just sort of falling in love with the songs, with the with the, with just with the whole thing. Um, in particular, Ron Moody, who plays Fagin in this movie, is absolutely uh is 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 just fantastic and like a few years ago i think roman polanski made another oliver adaptation but it wasn't a musical and i remember just being like well why would you why would you do that why would why would you do that and leave out the songs you know (laughs) what are you doing um but yeah uh it's um it's it's kind of in the way of a film from 1968 that's that's set in victorian london it's it's quite big and bold and colorful and brash um and uh probably quite dated by today's standards but now i really love it and ron moody as fagin and oliver reed as bill sykes in particular are uh fantastic in it and uh, i'd recommend that anyone watch it if they haven't seen it including you yeah the only thing i know about this film is it not like at one point it was like may please sir may i have some more Yes, so yeah. I mean, Oliver, for those who don't know, is this tale of young orphan boy Oliver who uh, starts life in a Victorian workhouse um, and gets um, sold to a funeral director for daring to ask for more than one serving of gruel at dinner, um, which leads to the song Food, Glorious Food. Great. Uh, he runs away from the funeral home to London where he gets taken in by the Artful Dodger and Fagin and taught the art of pickpocketing and... Mm. Um, ultimately has to contend with Bill Sykes, a, a very nasty piece of work indeed. And um, hmm. it's, yeah, it's it's a, it's just a great story. Obviously, Charles, you know, Charles Dickens wrote it. It's a, it's a good story. And then the, the songs are good. It all comes together really well. And uh, yeah, big love for it. That sounds good. <laughs> Iconic, Oliver. Um, oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, is, is it also... A musical on stage? I think so, isn't it? Yes, I've seen it on stage. Mm. Um, and it uses the same songs. Mm. Cool. So my, uh, like it, my number five is uh, uh, the winner of the 1985 Best Picture Oscar. And okay. it's a film called Amadeus. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, so it's a kind of like a period drama, uh, directed directed by Milos Forman, and it follows the life of um, Wolfgang Amadeus uh, Mozart uh, from when he um, leaves Salzburg, and uh, you know the rise to fame, and it's about the fictional. Uh, or maybe not fictional, but we don't know, um, rivalry between uh, Mozart and another composer called um, Salieri. And it's, uh, and there's a lot of Mozart music. Uh, it portrays Mozart as this eccentric, crazy guy and, uh, and uh, how he revolutionised uh, opera. And I have a really soft, big soft spot for this film. I think it's, it's funny. It's tragic. It's um, it's 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 really good. And there's a lot of uh, Mozart in it. I didn't realize he won the Oscar until like I started doing my research. Like yeah, this film is good. Um, and yeah, and so uh, 
uh, Antonio Salieri, which is one of the main uh, characters, um, it, it play is played by F. Murray Abraham, and uh, yeah, oh, okay, is played by this actor called Tom Hulls, which I haven't really seen him in anything else. Nice, cool. Yeah, I've I've never seen it, and I don't know anything about it. But mm. um, Sam, you've made you've sold it. I wouldn't have watched it because it's a biopic, and I tend not to watch those. But. Yeah. But it's not. Uh, it's not like a real it, biopic. It it's like completely like you don't take it seriously. It's like a f- kind of fantasy biopic of like what their rivalry could have been. It's really kind of silly and fun and um, yeah. It's uh, it's not. It's not real. <laughs> don't look at it as like it's it's biographic. It's biography because it, it's. I don't think it is. What is your number four? Okay, number four. The 2017 film, winner of the Best Picture Oscar in 2018, Guillermo del Toro's masterpiece, The Shape of Water. I really want to watch that. I've never seen it. You've not seen it? No, I haven't seen The Shape of Water. Uh, the sort of film that shouldn't win an Oscar. This, you know, Guillermo del Toro is this incredible filmmaker where, like, he's made, he makes movies. He makes exactly the film he wants to make every time he makes a film, and sometimes popular culture and where culture is lines up with the film he's made and sometimes it doesn't like Pacific Rim fun entertaining big action movie mm. didn't seem to hit in the way that it should have hit um you know other films like uh, Crimson Peak again gothic romance didn't quite take the world by storm in the way it could have done Crim- Shape of Water somehow it just it just hit in the right way it's no it's not necessarily any better or worse than a lot of his other films although it's better than Na- Nightmare Alley which I really didn't like which is, is, um, is this is it's a nominated for an Oscar this year as well yes it is yeah after you spoke about I mean, it and also as nominated on Oscars like mm. Yeah, but I mean, it has had people have liked it. I just I, I didn't take to it. But mm. this movie, I mean, you've got Sally Hawkins, Michael Shannon, Richard Jenkins, Doug Jones, Michael Stuhlberg, Octavia Spencer. All of those people are fantastic actors. Like he pulls together a great ensemble mm. for this film. Uh, Doug Jones basically it's set in a research laboratory of some description in a city in um, when's it set? Like the nineteen forties or sixties. Um. But it's a fantasy film, so it's set in a very heightened reality. But it's and it's all blue and green, like the colour palette in this movie is amazing, and it mainly follows uh, Elisa Esposito, played by Sally Hawkins, who is a cleaner in this research laboratory, and one day a creature is brought into the lab, played by Doug Jones, who is effectively the creature from the Black Lagoon, like a, a merman of some description. Um, the the amphibian man uh, is being experimented on in this place. Uh, Michael Shannon plays a horrible piece of work who's kind of in charge of the research and is basically torturing this guy, this amphibian man. And Sally Hawkins begins to form a relationship of some kind with this creature, uh, which is complex and interesting. And, and, you know, is it romantic? Is it platonic? Like what exactly is their relationship? And, and, Mm -hmm. And it's, it's strange and weird and different and cool and beautiful and um is is everything that you know an oscar winning film should be i think and takes takes chances and the chances pay off and i absolutely love it and uh, yeah you should watch it i'm surprised you haven't seen it it's such yeah. a good film i think it just came out on like uh, prime so i'm going to i'm going to watch it give give it a go um so yeah, not much more to say other than I just love it and I think it's 
I mean, I don't know. I don't think it's better than, than Pan's Labyrinth, but it's one of it's definitely up there with Guillermo del Toro's best work. It's one of his best, probably his best English language film, I'd say. Uh, mm. And until the day he finally gets to make his in uh, Mountains of Madness H.P. Lovecraft adaptation, which he's been trying to make for years. Nice. So yeah, that's my number four. What have you got? Uh, I've got my number four is uh, uh, best two thousand and nine best picture winner. Slumdog Millionaire. Uh... <sighs> uh, film directed by uh, Danny Boyle with um, Dev Patel and Frida Pinto, um, Anil Kapoor and uh, Ifran Khan. And it's a story about Jamal, who's 18 years old and is from the slums of Mumbai. And uh, he is on uh, the Indian version of uh, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? And he is answering all these questions and, you know, he gets arrested by the police because they're like, how, you know, how does a kid from the slums know all these answers? And this and the film is just basically him telling his story and that's how he finds out all the answers. And... Um, I love this film. is it's uh it's directed by Danny Boyle, and it's really colorful. It's really, uh, beautiful to watch, and also it um it shows you uh like uh a side of India that maybe you you don't know like uh and uh, I just just really enjoyed it. I just love it. I love the 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 soundtrack is really good, and I've got. Uh, I, I I don't know, I've got good memories about watching this film. I watched it in a cinema in Nepal when it came out. Wow. Yeah. And uh, I was, I, I just been to India and then I went to Nepal and I went to a cinema and it was an amazing experience to be in a cinema in Nepal. And then I came out and I was like, oh my God, it just, it just kind of felt like, it, for me, it felt really realistic because I just, was there and I just I don't know I've got some really good memories about this film and I think it's really fun to watch um I like Danny Boyle as a director and yeah uh, I think he did a good job and uh, oh definitely yeah yeah and Dev Patel is amazing in it I love Dev Patel he's a really good actor have you seen the film yeah, I've only seen it once, you know, around when it came out, but uh, I remember really enjoying it. And yeah, like you said, Dave Patel's amazing, and mm. it's great that Danny Boyle, you know, got some real recognition because he's he is such a fantastic director, and yeah. um, you know, it's good that he's had his time in the Oscars spotlight, being told yeah. by the world how good he is. So yeah, yeah. Uh, my number three is a movie that we don't need to spend too much time discussing because we talked about it a lot, but I couldn't not put it on my list because it's. Uh, it just every time I I can put it on the list, I'm going to put it on the list. The 1991 film, the 1992 Best Picture winner, The Silence of the Lambs. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Jonathan Demme's uh ad- adaptation of Thomas Harris's novel, starring Jodie Foster, as Chloe Starling, Anthony Hopkins as Hannibal Lecter, and Ted Levine as Buffalo Bill, and uh, it is probably the greatest psychological thriller ever made and uh, one of the very few horror or horror adjacent movies to win an oscar uh, along with the shape of water which i've also put on my list i guess and uh, yeah um so yeah uh, we've talked about it you've watched it as homework yeah. we've all, we've discussed it in depth 
Yeah. But um, I you know it has to go on there because it is one of my favorite films ever. Mm. So yeah. Cool. The Silence like of the Lambs. And it's just, again, it's just wild that that movie won Best Picture because nobody, like, what I love about, what what I love about The Science of the Lambs and what I don't like about some other Best Picture winners, The King's Speech, for example, mm. is that when they were making The Science of the Lambs, nobody on set would have been like, this is going to win the Oscar for Best Film. Like, nobody yeah. would have, It's not the kind of movie that gets Best Picture. Mm. Or even gets considered in the Oscars, but they just made such a good film that mm. it had to be, it had to be in the running and it had to get mentioned and it ended up winning the big award. And I love it when a film that wouldn't have been financed and budgeted and produced in order to be in the Oscars conversation and have that be a revenue stream mm. ends up getting into that conversation just on its own merits. That I really like those stories and uh, I think The Silence of the Lambs is one of the best examples of that. So, what's your number three? Uh, my number three is a 1987 picture winner, uh, film, war film, Platoon. Oh, Platoon. Yeah. Uh, directed by Oliver Stone. I did not realise that this was like the first of a trilogy of films I had seen, that I have seen. But um, I guess it's the trilogy of like Oliver Stone, I Hate War uh, trilogy. <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, um, what are the other two films in that trilogy? Uh, there is uh, Born on the 4th of July uh, Okay And um, Heaven and Earth Okay I've yeah. only seen Born on the 4th of July yeah. of those three mm. And uh, it's a film about um, uh, It stars uh, Charlie Sheen uh, When he was still doing some good films uh, Tom Berenger uh, Willem Dafoe and Forrest Whitaker is in it. And there is Dr. Cox, uh, John C. Uh, McKingley. Uh, and it's about uh, uh, Chris Taylor. He's a uh, young, naive American. And he wants to, he volunteers to go uh, to Vietnam. He arrives there and uh, realizes uh, that he is quite useless. He also has got to... Um, officers who don't really get along and are very different one from another uh, played by Willem Dafoe and uh, Tom Beringer uh, and uh, uh, it's uh, some horrible uh, stuff happens and it kind of um, messes up with Chris's Taylor's mind and also yours <laughs> as a viewer. <laughs> uh, and uh, it's a very powerful film um, that um, shows the, uh, well, uh, Chris feels, uh, the guy, the, the Charlie Sheen feels totally useless there. And it kind of, I think it's a way to show how useless uh, and pointless that war was and how disgusting yeah. that war was. And um, I think uh, Oliver Stone wanted to make something that showed the real war, not the hero war, but the the horrible war that this Vietnam War was. And um, yeah. it was also written by Oliver Stone. And uh, it's kind of uh, auto autobiographical. It kind of uh, shows the experiences that he had um, when he went to Vietnam. 
Yeah. And uh, and the psychological um, the psychological uh, effects that this war had, and I. I hate <laughs> and love this film at the same time. Um, he was so amazing to do it because, you know, um, you know, veterans go, oh, the Vietnam War and stuff. And American veterans are always, uh, you know, <laughs> American veterans. And, uh, and I think it's a great film, uh, really well made, uh, really raw and real. And um, I think uh, everybody should watch it because it's good. And yeah, platoon. Nice. Yeah. I don't. I don't. I don't think I ever realized that that had won best film that movie. Me neither. But I think it's a. <laughs> uh, it's a. It's a good film to win best movie. Yeah. yeah. Good. Yeah. Good. 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 Mm. Um, a good choice, and I haven't seen it, so I can't talk about it. But strong decisions there. <laughs> um. Yeah. My number two film is mm-hmm. uh, a 2003 movie, mm-hmm. would have won the 2004 Best Picture Oscar, and it is Peter Jackson's The Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King. Good choice. Thank you. I was tempted, but I didn't, because <laughs> it's not my favourite. Well, yeah, it's an odd one to pick because it's not necessarily my favourite film of those trilogy of mm. Lord of the Rings movies but also it's the only one that won best picture and I think it was kind of recognized at the time that it was kind of he was winning that award as a recognition of the entire trilogy being what it was which was like a landmark moment in cinema in blockbuster cinema you know they'd gone off and they'd made this trilogy of movies all at the same time and put all this work and effort and dedication into it and it had paid off by you know making three incredibly successful massive films and um I love all three of them. I'd love The Lord of the Rings The Return of the King. Uh, it's a great conclusion to the story, mm. even though it concludes the story about five different times by the end. But um, it is it is fantastic. Uh, Peter Jackson does such a good job of, like... Peter Jackson does such a good job of, you know, taking a book that he clearly loves and adores mm-hmm. and has a lot of... Um, appreciation for and making it, you know, it's quite a, it's quite a unwieldy fantasy book in a lot of ways. It's not. I've tried to read Lord of the Rings books in the past and and struggled, um, oh, due much, to the amount they? of songs and poems and things. And I just he so, obviously they're so full of like stuff on it. Yeah, they're just so like yeah, dense. they they really are. <laughs> and he manages to craft a film and a trilogy of films that kept the fans of the books happy. I think, as far as I know, but also brought in people who hadn't read the books into that world and helped them to enjoy it and and learn to love those characters and that story and that world. And yeah, just an incredible landmark moment in cinema and was correctly awarded, you know, at the Mm. Oscars. And um, yeah, Yeah. it's it's fantastic. It's a pity that most subsequent Lord of the Rings based things haven't worked out quite as well, but... (laughs) <laughs> we still have that that original Peter Jackson trilogy, and who knows? Maybe Amazon's Lord of the Rings series will end up being incredible. We'll have is to that, is that Peter Jackson? Peter Jackson as well again or not? N- no, it's not him at all. Okay. Did we go and see? What did we go and see together? And I fell asleep. We watched The Hobbit: The uh, Desolation the Hobbit. of Smaug. Yes. Yeah. And I fell asleep. One. I don't fall asleep yeah. very often at the cinema. I did fall no. asleep at this. 
Yeah. Because it was boring and bad. It was so bad. I was very disappointed because I needed, I needed, like, you know, after Harry Potter... And after Lord of the Rings, you need some kind of like meaty fantasy things because I ca- I cannot read fantasy books. You know, you you try to make me read fantasy books, I just can't. It just just not in my thing. Apart from um yeah. Philip Pullman, I do like him. I think he's much. He's like very kind of um, but um, yeah. I was hoping in um The Hobbit, but that was bad. <laughs> Yeah. Sorry, Peter. You did a good job with Lord yeah. of the Rings. Yeah. I think that was where his heart lay as well. So mm. I think he's, he'll be happy with that. Um, what's your number two? Oh, I'm going to be predictable with my next two. I'm sorry. I tried my best and I just couldn't be different. And so my number two is a 2020 uh, picture winner, Parasite. Oh, lovely. Good choice. It just, it's just so good. <laughs> It's just, it's just good. Uh, and we've talked about it before. I think we've we put in a few lists, this film. Yeah, um, we've definitely talked about this film at length yeah. in the past. So it's uh, directed it by Bong Joon-ho and it's the first non-English language film that has won an Oscar. And it's basically uh, a story about, it's, a, it's like, a, it's like a, a thriller, horror story about two different sides of Korea, how they live and how... The you know these people infiltrate, um, the house, of um, of these people from like a uh, lower class in Korea, in the Seoul infiltrate in this uh, rich family, and I I don't know if it's because I saw this clip the other day and I just remembered how horrific, um, this film is actually is it's remember the scene where. It rained a lot the night before in Seoul and uh, yes. the 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 mother of the rich family, she's like, oh, it rained a lot, but it cleared the smog. But in the meantime, the night before, it rained so much. And so in the basements where this poor, this poor family, the Kims live, it's been flooded and he smells of latrine because his... Uh, his um, <laughs> His toilet has had um, overflown. And just that scene is just so <laughs> horrible because <laughs> it's just like, oh, you know, she's from the upper, actually, the, the hills of uh, Seoul. And talking about the fact that there's the good weather now. And then he's like driving the car and his flat has been destroyed and it's like full of shit because, you know, it's rained. And it's just, it's such a incredible film. And it's, it's, it's a kind of a horror, thriller, comedy. It's just perfect, and I love it. So it's a, it's a great film. It is an amazing, incredible film. And uh, uh, my number one is similarly predictable because it's Parasite as well. Oh, <laughs> it's so good, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I love it. Oh. I love it. I absolutely love it. Um, yeah, I, it's, it's one of my favourite films now, I think, probably. And... Mm. Um, Again, similar to uh, The Silence of the Lambs and The Lord of the Rings, really. Again, and I'm drawn to films like this uh, in the Oscars. It's not a movie. Like, Bong Joon-ho wouldn't have been making Parasite thinking, I'm going to win Best Picture at the American Academy Awards for this film. No. 
but again, he just made such a good movie that just kind of hit in the right way, like hit in the right year. It's about an issue that lots of that, that was kind of hitting at that point in you know, in our culture, mm. uh, the rich poor divide, etc., which is huge in in Korea, but also very pronounced in you know the everywhere. UK and America mm. and everywhere else. And um, yeah, it's 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 fantastic and and uh, and brilliant, and the actors are all incredible in it and um you know more than anything else it's, it's a really entertaining psychological thriller yeah um really and, entertaining. yeah well done bong joon ho i love yeah. all of his work again similar to guillermo del toro he makes brilliant movies all the time and occasionally what he makes will line up with what the culture wants at that point in time and mm. parasite is almost the yeah. ultimate example of that yeah 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 cool What's your number one? My number one, another very predictable choice. I, I've spoken about this film many times. I love it. And I pro- it's probably one of my favourite films of all time as well. And it's a, a 2017 picture winner, Moonlight. Uh, yeah, yeah, fair play. Yeah. Uh, I, um, I've just, I talked about it before and it follows um, uh, Chiron in his three time periods, which is young adolescence, mid-teen and young adult. And it just follows him uh, in his life and his, um, you know, finding out who he, he is. Uh, and um, uh, it's amazing. Uh, yeah, the the acting is incredible in it. Uh, my Ma- Ali as Juan, who's only in one in one third of his life, but it's still that one yeah. third of the film, he's amazing in it. Uh, and then there's Naomi Harris, which is the only actress that she's in all three phases, and yeah. she's sp- spectacular <laughs> in it. And then uh, Janelle Monet, of course, uh, beautiful, and the three actors that play the three different um, timelines, uh, which are um, Trevante Rhodes, Alexar Hibbert, and uh, Ashton Sanders. They have never met in the film, but they all managed to portray the same person in a beautiful way. It was just amazing and. It's beautiful, and I I love this film. I just love it, and uh, uh, it just gets yeah. I think it's one of the best films ever made. Fair play, and it won best Oscar <laughs> with a bit of a controversy as well because uh, they read the wrong card. Oh yeah, that was uh... that was embarrassing. Yeah, well, yeah, for them. Um, yeah, but when uh, I see it now, I get I get this like secondhand embarrassment. I'm like, oh, no, why did you do that? Uh, but yeah, yeah it's it was, a great it was... film. Acted beautifully, beautiful color palettes, beautiful everything, amazingly done. And yeah. I think, like you said, this film wasn't made as oh, we're gonna win an Oscar with this. It was just made and yeah. won an Oscar. Very yeah. true. Uh, whereas La La Land was probably made with very much the intention that it would be uh, winning Oscars. Um, <laughs> good. Yeah. Right. A good list. Do you want to go for your top five? Uh, or shall I go for my top five? Yep. And then you can go for your top five again. Yeah. So my top five best picture Oscar winners are Oliver at number five, The mm-hmm. Shape of Water at number four, 
Uh, the Sands of the Lambs at number three, The Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King at number two, and Parasite at number one. What have you got? So I've got Amadeus, and my, num- my number five, Amadeus, uh, number four, Slumdog Millionaire, number three, Platoon, number two, Parasite, and number one, Moonlight. Nice. Okay, I've got some honourable mentions to uh, just quickly go over. Yep. Films that didn't quite make my list, but are brilliant. Um, obviously, Moonlight, that you have on your list, uh, is up there. And then No Country for Old Men, the Coen Brothers mm-hmm. film, which um, I haven't watched in a long time, and that's the main reason it didn't make my list, because I couldn't mm. quite remember. I don't know, I need to watch that film again. Uh, One Flow of the Cuckoo's Nest is obviously a huge, incredible film. Uh, Rocky, the original Rocky. Uh, another movie where it's incredible that it won the best pitch at the Oscars. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Rain Man, uh, the mm-hmm. Dustin Hoffman, Tom Cruise film. Uh, probably probably pr- quite problematic by today's standards, I would imagine. But mm. um, I liked it when I was growing up. Uh, Schindler's List, which is, uh, yeah. we've talked about at length in the past, an incredible piece of work. Titanic uh, is a film that a lot of people now don't like, but I have a big soft spot for. I think it's a <laughs> great film. Yeah. And Gladiator, uh, one of, yeah, I love Gladiator. It's a good film. Mm-hmm. Good, entertaining, epic, historical fiction drama thing. Um, I also have a handful, we don't normally do this, of dishonourable mentions, oh, films okay. that an, it an, annoys me that they won Best Picture at the Oscars. Okay. So I'll run through them quickly. Uh, I don't like to be too negative, but Forrest Gump. What? <laughs> no. Bad film. Okay. Yeah. But bear in mind, Forrest Gump was the same year as Pulp Fiction. I mean, which film should have won Best Picture? Pulp Fiction, absolutely. There we go. Um, Braveheart, <laughs> the most what? historically inaccurate movie of all time. I know, but it was uh, fun. Freedom! It was fun to watch, though, no? Yeah. Shakespeare in Love. That should have not won. <laughs> Ridicu- and the ridiculous. fact that Judy Dench won Best Supporting Actor Actress and she yeah, was in there for like two minutes. Time. Yeah. Ridiculous. That was that was offensive. That was offensive. That, that I like Shakespeare all, in Love. Um, I did her like Shakespeare best... in Love. I thought Sorry? it was fun. But shouldn't have won Shakespeare in Love. Yeah. No, no, no. Shakespeare in Love winning Best Picture and Judy Dench winning Best Supporting Actress for Five Minutes of Screen Time are all part of the legacy of Harvey Weinstein and the way he ran the Oscars like a sort of it was a it was he ran them like a revenue stream. He picked movies to to push for Oscars <gasps> and then would campaign for them to win Oscars and then they would see a bump in ticket sales and it was like a separate way of running the movie industry for him. I didn't um, obviously know that. the lesser of his crimes, but still um not That's not horrible. happy uh, with that. And again, Shakespeare in Love was the same year as Saving Private Ryan, which I think is well, yeah. by any standards, a better film. Um uh, a Beautiful Mind, uh, uh, biopics always do very well at the Oscars and this biopic in particular is so inaccurate about its uh, oh, yeah. the person it's portraying that I can't stand it. Mm. Uh, Crash, I um, stupid film. Um, the Hurt Locker uh, is a film that I just couldn't get into but I don't have too much to say about it, mm. but I didn't like it. And the worst one of all, the film I cannot stand and hate with a passion the king's speech get out of here with the king's speech no interest in that speech? movie so that again what's wrong with the king's speech uh it's about it's about the king for one thing no thank you not interested in that um and it's almost the ultimate example of the thing the opposite of what i was saying i like about it is when yeah. that movie was made entirely 
expectantly waiting for the Oscars to be given mm. to it. And it's directed like a TV movie. It's got no flair to it. Nothing's interesting in it. Mm. Nothing about the way it's been made is interesting. It's just two very competent actors delivering their lines, you know, well, mm. but there's no art. There's no artistry behind the scenes, in my opinion, with that film. I can't stand it. I hate it. So um, there we go. And and again, I think similar to A Beautiful Mind and other movies, it's just so far removed from the reality of what mm. that situation was like. That Like, if you're watching it to learn about that mm. member of the royal family and his struggles with his um, mm. stammer, you're not getting a true picture of it. And if you, why are you watching it for any other reason? Because it's not an, an interesting or entertaining mm. story. I can't stand it. What are your... Do you have any honourable mentions? <laughs> uh, so I've put uh, The Sound of Music. Uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Uh, Gandhi. Have you ever seen the film Gandhi? No. Ben Kingsley being Gandhi. Yeah. Uh, a, a Schindler's List uh, Nomadland uh, Lord of the Rings uh, The Return of the King and this one maybe maybe was controversial but I really liked it and I'm not sure if it portrays I've seen it years ago and I'm not sure if it portrays um, Native Americans in a the, it, may, it might be a little bit uh, controversial now it doesn't portray native americans in a bad way but maybe there are some but um kevin costner's dances with wolves uh, okay i love that film i've never seen it so i can't comment uh it was uh it was uh i've seen it about 65 times when i was a kid i was obsessed <laughs> with that film um <laughs> i i know way too much of that film uh and of course it's probably like the white uh saving you know the white savior However, it did it. I I have some fond memories, and learning. You know, I, I don't know. It, I thought it was fun, so yeah, maybe it's a bit controversial. But I don't know. Uh, yeah. Fair play to you. Uh, good list. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I guess we've got some homework to assign. Yes. So from my top five, you haven't seen Oliver mm-hmm. or The Shape of Water. I would like to see The Shape of Water. Okay. Good. And Watch from the my list, water and get back to me. You haven't seen Amadeus, Platoon, and that's it. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Which one <laughs> should I watch? Uh, do you like war films? Do you like Oliver um, Stone? I, I don't. I like Oliver Stone and I don't mind war films. But I think you. M- I, well, because Amadeus is like, I think is really, really long, Amadeus. It's and I'm not sure, like, I love long. opera and I love, and I, I, I find it, like, I sing all the songs and when I watch it and <laughs> I just love it. But I'm not sure if you might enjoy it. It's interesting, isn't it? Because there's there's Amadeus, which is two hours and 40 minutes long. Yeah. Um, But might be quite a fun time. Yeah, and then there's platoon, which is yeah. a, just a two a, a, a short two hours long. Mm-hmm. But based on current world events, do I want to sit down and watch a world war film for two hours huh. at the moment? I don't know <laughs> if I do. So that's quite a. It's a bit of a pickle, isn't it? Because Amadeus is like long. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it's very colourful, and there's a lot of music in it, and there's a lot of like. 
eating and getting drunk and partying and and <laughs> hmm. and I'm gonna go Amadeus. I'm gonna okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna take the hit and do Amadeus and put up with the two hours and forty minutes of Amadeus. Okay. Uh, not put up with, I'm sure I'll really enjoy it. And I know I should watch Platoon and I will watch Platoon one day and the message of Platoon is one that I'm sure I agree yeah. with wholeheartedly. Yeah. But and, like um, I felt physically sick when I watched Platoon, like physically emotionally sick, so <laughs> yeah. I, I I feel physically emotionally sick all the time. So let's not push <laughs> so maybe, that. Maybe maybe just further. watch Amadeus. There's some there's some nice 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 times in Amadeus. Good. Um okay, that's fantastic. So we've got we've got we've got um we've got our homework. Do yeah. you right, I've got a recommendation um based on culture catch up. Mm. Uh the Batman. Batman. Watch the Batman. Mm. Um do you have a recommendation? <laughs> Watch the Batman. Um I would like uh if you can listen to uh the album uh, Mitski album Laurel Hell and Encanto the soundtrack. <laughs> Well, yeah, watch, watch Encanto in preparation for next week's special yeah. on Encanto. Yeah. 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 And you probably um, have gathered if I liked it or not. <laughs> yes. Uh, so that's a recommendation from me to watch The Batman and from Alex also to watch The Batman. Everyone should watch yeah. The Batman. That's the only thing that's worth doing. Watch The Batman. <laughs> watch The Batman. The Batman. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go and watch the Batman again today. I think after we finish recording. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh no and 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 Mitski's album Laurel Hell you can listen to that in the car or on the bus on the way to see the Batman if you'd like to, um, and what was your recommendation? Oh, Encanto. The yeah yeah, when you get back from the Batman and you're feeling a bit grim and rainy, then put Encanto on. But go and see the Batman first. Oh, the Batman, the Batman, the Batman, the Batman. Um. Next week, please come back and join us again for our special episode on Encanto, uh, which is part of our Oscar season uh, as it's nominated for Best Animated Film at this year's Academy Awards. And, um, yeah, that's going to be... We've already recorded it, as Alex mentioned earlier, so that's going to be a really fun listen. Please do uh, come back for that. And please go and find us on all the social media channels, which you can find linked to in the show notes for this and every episode, along with links to the culture discussed in Culture Catch-Up and the YouTube videos we watch in MyTube, if you'd like to watch along. And uh, please rate and view us on your podcast app of choice, be it Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else that you can rate and review us and tell your friends to listen to us and help us grow. Thank you so much. And uh, see you again soon. It's been a wonderful day. Thank you. Love Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Love you. Bye. 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 Bye.